0: Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow listeners, and welcome to episode 33 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I'll be picking the brain of Oren Abadi. Now, Oren sells something that makes my heart beat fast and my mouth drool. Nope, it's not what you think. Oren is the CEO of a luxury car dealership called a Buddy Motors, selling Porsches, Bentleys and Rolls Royces, among other head-turning beautiful pieces of metal. But Oren wasn't always a car connoisseur. In fact, he started his career selling shoes. His car company reported sales last year of $36 million, and his mission today is to radically change the car buying experience. Oren, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain.
1: Thanks for having me, Daniel.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. Anytime I can get in touch with somebody who sells luxury cars, I am definitely on it. In fact, I'm excited to come over to New York and test drive that Rolls-Royce Phantom that I saw on your website
1: absolutely absolutely (laughs) you're always welcome
0: (laughs) very cool now your father had um a chain of car dealerships right um did you did you grow up with grease on your hands i mean what was it like growing up
1: i actually literally grew up with grease on my hands i was always uh hanging around with my father uh you know growing up hanging out in the dealerships before the dealerships he had a body shop a collision shop um so you know, I learned the ins and outs of fixing the cars to, you know, driving the cars to selling the cars to story behind the cars. It's uh it's 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 been fun growing up with the cars, but uh, it wasn't always a passion of mine until I got a little bit older.
0: Mm.
1: Um and I'll tell you, it's just um it's a lot of fun when you get to when you get to experience something, you know, a job that you actually like. um uh, come not no better feeling of actually liking what you're doing
0: right right i very much relate to that um um, was it hard or when you did you work with your dad growing up or were you just kind of like the helping out kind of kid that just like hey oren come over here and you know climb onto the car or something like that
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it depends when i got into trouble then i had to go into work with him but um I so would. It was like a like. punishment,
0: basically. <laughs> yeah, it was
1: like a punishment.
0: Right, that's <laughs> it. You're going in with dad. You're gonna help fix the car. Oh, mom, please, I'll, do I have I'll, to? Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, at first, it was a punishment. I was too young to know, you know, what it was about. But then, as I got a little bit older, it was actually uh, it was pretty exciting. You know, it was um, as a kid, any kid, you know, he loves to be around nice cars. Mm. Uh, uh, any man, uh, you know, from a kid to a man. Listen, likes- we're all little
0: kids. I mean, I'm 32 and I'm still that little boy. <laughs> uh, I'm 36 and I'm still a little kid as well. Right. So, and- when, I mean, at what point, I guess, did it become a passion for you? Actually, before we get there, before we get there, um, so how old were you? What was the youngest age that you were working with cars?
1: Uh, I started out when I was about, uh, I would say, 10 years old, 10 mm-hmm. 11 years old um and uh literally at 10 11 years old i was uh my father my father was actually telling me to fix cars uh, wow and really
0: started,
1: yeah yeah and then he showed me and then, uh, you know it, when you're a kid you just absorb things a lot mm. quicker than when you get older and uh, i picked it up very quick and literally at the age of 10 11 o'clock there were people coming in uh you know to repair small little tiny stuff uh, I, I remember this one guy that bought a very expensive Porsche from my father, mm-hmm. um, and he came in and wanted the sunroof fixed. I was might have been eleven years old. My father goes to me, Orrin, go fix the sunroof. The guy, <laughs> like my father goes to me, Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I went, took me about all five minutes, took the sunroof apart. The guy was sweating bullets the entire time. <laughs> like, oh, my God, is this is going to ruin my car. I just spent so much money on this car. You're going back 15, 20 years ago and, right. you know, $60,000 back then, it's like ridiculous. Wow. And uh took me all of about five, 10 minutes. I fixed the sunroof. I changed. I don't remember what it was. A something something. Um, the guy was so impressed. He gave me a $100 tip back then. Wow. So, yeah, that's... that's uh, that's a fun memory of starting out
0: what was it like I guess working with your dad cuz I could tell you for me I grew up my father owned a grocery store it's not as sexy as cars but you know, you know selling milk and eggs you know it has its uh, pluses and minuses um, I hated it I really really hated it when my dad got me to, to to sit there by the cashier and and you know start. you know it 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 just for me, I guess it was, I, I, you know, the two things that I didn't like. A was, I guess it was a boring job. So I guess cars, it's slightly different. But also I kind of felt like I wanted to be the boss. Like, uh, you know, at one point in my, in my career, um, we're going back about, I think eight years ago, nine years ago, um, I was gonna actually take over my father's business. Um, and I started out and it just, we ended up just, butting heads. And I'm like this young guy that wants to do all this new age stuff. I mean, it's not much you could do with a, with a, with a uh, grocery store, but there were still, you know, delivery systems online, all this stuff. My father was, you know, no, 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 this is what we're going to do. And I also had to contend with like, you know, uh, th- this guy who'd been working for my dad for 15 years. And now, you know, I come along and decide I'm the boss. And so ultimately I left. What was it like for you like, working with your dad?
1: Um it was it was a, it was a little bit similar to what you experienced I um basically didn't you know didn't uh, didn't appreciate uh doing what I was doing uh for a little while um it, it, it was, you know, it, it, I it kind of felt forced going to work with my father. But after a little while, um, once I grew up a little bit more and he gave me a little bit more leeway to do whatever I wanted with the cars and, you know, be a little more flexible and give me a little more power, like you said, it's all about the power, the control, then, you know, it became a little bit easier.
0: Hmm. Because your father owned not just one, but he owned several car dealerships in, in the 1980s. Um, but you ended up starting your company from scratch uh yes. in fact you sold them from your house uh, you didn't yes. actually have a car dealership at the beginning what right. what happened with your father's business is it still running today
1: my father's business no it actually my parents uh moved back to israel um when i was 18 years old so back in 1998 my parents moved back uh, i went back with them for about uh I believe 10, 11 months. I had a great time. I you know, went all over the country. I had an amazing experience there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But exactly like you said before, you wanted to run your own. You wanted to make it on your own. You wanted to incorporate something different. And I kind of felt that, you know what? I'm here with my father. This is not mine. I didn't earn this. I gotta go back. So I actually left the left, it, left my father Came back to uh, New York and went to run the dealership. Uh, I ran it for a few months with so my So you mother. went
0: to you went to run your father's dealership. You're saying yes. It was Talk still
1: open at the time. It was right. open until 2000, and uh, we ran it for about two years before we closed it down. I mean, I was 19, 20 years old. I wasn't experienced.
0: Wow! Uh, you closed down your father's business.
1: Well, it, it was you know what it, it was ultimately my father's decision. Um, but uh, it was uh, it was time to sell the business and move on and go out on one ways.
0: Right, right. and you but you didn't go straight into cars, right? You first went, you originally worked for a company called Shoe Mania selling Correct. shoes. So you basically Correct. went from cars to shoes back to cars again. What? <laughs> basically <laughs> basically
1: yeah, I uh, I worked for Shoe Mania for about 10 years. I started off as a salesman. Um worked my way up the ladder, I became uh, COO of the company. Wow. Um, and uh, I believe when I walked into the company, the company was doing around $7 million in sales a year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By the time I left, it was doing close to $47 million Holy cow. <laughs> can you? Yeah. yeah.
0: I guess, can you take us through it, because our listeners, obviously, you know, most of our listeners are, are people who are either starting a business or looking to grow their existing businesses. What does it take to take a company from seven million, which is you know decent in its own right, but to go from seven million to forty-seven million? That's huge. What did you have to do to get there?
1: Uh, First off, it's uh, the credit's not all mine. I mean, it's 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 the team that you have around you. It's it's the employees. It's the people you have around you. It's it's you can never do anything like that alone.
0: Right, but they Uh, had uh, they had a team before you came. So
1: they had a team before I came, but they didn't have the vision. Uh, It's different. It's different. It's uh, a young mind, uh, like you said, new age, Um, how do we get things a little more virtual, how do we get things a little more online, how do we engage more with the customers, Um, how do we give the customer the experience that the normal shops don't give them. Uh, And that's the way I carried my business sense from the shoes to the cars to whatever I did in the past. It's always give the customer something that they're not used to them excited
0: can you give me an example give us an example of one thing that you changed that the customers were not expecting to get well uh,
1: first off um, when I got there I you weren't to the stores um, I put up a lot of TV screens with a lot of uh, music videos uh, we put up a lot of, of uh, lighting literally you walk into this massive, massive uh, one of the stores, uh, one of the massive stores, and it felt like you were walking into a nightclub.
0: Wow! Uh,
1: just, yeah, yeah, it was a lot. So of fun. you
0: changed the whole experience, basically, of buying changed, shoes. Changed
1: the whole experience. I mean, we wanted the, you know, thirteen-year-old to have a good time when he walks into the store, hmm. and we wanted the sixty-five-year-old to have a good time when they come to the store, and that was the whole idea. That, by was, the way,
0: can I just say that's right. not easy. That's really, really not easy to do. To have both a 13-year-old teenage girl and her, you know, 65-year-old grandfather to have this sort of good experience? Because I, I would think that, you know, if it's, a six, if it's a 13-year-old girl, you'd have some sort of rapper playing in the background with loud noise and flashing lights and whatnot. Um, but the 65-year-old, you want a bit of, you know, uh, maybe Elton John or something, you know, calmly right. sitting. So right. how do you do that? We would mix it up we would mix it up. We were
1: definitely. Was it about
0: out. time of day? Or did you figure out the time of day of when figured, old people?
1: Exactly, so we figured out the time of day uh, we figured out a different strategy with the lighting I mean it was all about ambiance, it was all about you know letting the customer feel a different experience it was about the presentation of the merchandise when you walked in it was like a it was like a candy store uh, <laughs> shoots uh, and today when you walk into my dealership it's like a candy store of cars it's almost yeah. the same type of experience.
0: Uh, yeah, I definitely just, won't be sending my wife over to that shoe store because uh, <laughs> otherwise I'd go broke actually, overnight. They, they actually closed down <laughs> three years after I. Got oh, they out. closed down. Well, my, oh, I guess my wife must have already gone there and, and probably <laughs> yeah, bought everything out.
1: Yeah, they closed down three years after I resigned. It was uh, you know, it was time for me to go. Um, the corporate well, that's life. pretty.
0: That's pretty uh, amazing. That after you leave, in other words, before you come, they're only doing about seven million. Then you build it up over ten years to forty-seven million. And three years after you leave, they shut down. You're yeah. like, you've got the golden, uh, the golden hands here.
1: <laughs> I, I, again, I don't think the credit's all on me. Uh, it was, uh, we had a good team. It was just, um, you know, uh, sitting down every day and just thinking of new ideas. Um, nobody's idea, you know, was turned away. We listened to everybody and whatever good idea we had we implemented. If it worked, great. If it didn't work, you know, it was trial and error. But what would you we, say
0: is probably one of the best ideas over the 10 years that you came up with that really dramatically changed the way the company was running?
1: Um the customer experience. The the we started doing a lot of um a lot of, uh, I would say, seminars, if you would. We had a lot of uh, salesman meetings, a lot of company meetings, how to to engage the customer, how to Mm. talk to the customer. At the end of the day, what people seem to forget, it's all about the customers. Without the customers, you don't have the business. And if you can't appease the customer, and the customer is not happy, and the customer does not get the full experience that he or she deserves, then they're not coming back.
0: Uh, you know what I love about this conversation, Oren, is that most of the guests that I have on this show are usually running some sort of an online business or coaching business. It's very rare that we get a brick-and-mortar type of business. And the reason why I like this is because it just goes to show that even in today's world where you've got online uh, people buying online, you know, you could still um, run a successful company, a brick and mortar business, because at the end of the day, it's all about the customer experience. And for me, if I go and buy something online, yes, I get the uh, the, the fact that it's quick, it's easy, you know, I could do it from my own home. But when I walk in, I could just picture walking into your, you know, the shoe stop, the shoe shop, and just having this really cool vibe, like you said, like a like a nightclub, and that you don't get online. Um, And I think for those listening, whether you're running an online business or an offline business or a coaching business, whatever it is, I think the key to take from this is to somehow come up with creative ideas that create an extraordinary customer experience because ultimately that's the reason why people buy from you and not from your competitors.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, and today being in the online world, um, believe me, I mean, I, and you would know this better than everybody, um, it's, it's, it's all about your, your reviews. Uh, today, everything's reviews, reviews, reviews. Right. If the customer had a good experience, you'll leave you know, a wonderful review. If you had a bad experience, you'll leave a negative review. When I shop, even on Amazon, for instance, um, when I'm shopping for something, I'm going by the reviews. I'm not going by the actual price. Uh, the price is irrelevant. The reviews are everything. Uh, it's it's what the majority of the people are saying,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that's what I've learned a long time ago. It's 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 always about the customers. You make the customer feel special. You make the customer feel like he's the only one at your company at that moment. It could be a hundred people there, but if you give the, each customer the the attention that they deserve and you treat them like a normal human being, then believe me, they'll always come back. They'll leave the positive reviews, um, and you know it, it, that's how the online meshes with my brick-and-mortar it's it's I um, I do a lot of uh, press releases online I write a lot of articles online for the customers we do a lot of cool music videos with our uh, with our cars online uh, people uh, tend to enjoy that uh, just, <laughs> I yeah,
0: can imagine just to, I can imagine the the Rolls-Royce uh, probably looks very nice with a nice music background good lighting. So exactly <laughs> so we,
1: we did a whole music video with the Rolls-Royce I got a little over a hundred thousand hits within the first week
0: really oh, no.
1: Yeah, you should check it out on on, uh, on a Body Motors uh, Facebook. It's it's pretty interesting.
0: Very cool. I'll, I'm going to link that in the show notes, so anyone listening want to check out the Rolls Royce and have a bit of a drool, um, You could go, you can click it, click the link and check it out. Um, I want to. I'm going to get into. I want to get into the the kind of meshing the online with the with the offline and and more about the user experience in a minute. I just want to go back to your story for a second. I think it's fascinating because let's go back to. When you were COO of the company, um, you've been running it for ten years. You've taken it from seven million to to forty-seven million. Can I ask what salary were you on at that point?
1: Uh, I was on a fixed salary at that point. I was making, uh, I was making very good money.
0: Uh, What's very good money?
1: um, Four thousand cash a week back then.
0: So what's that? uh, Just give us a year. What was the like annual?
1: annual I mean I was making close to a quarter million dollars about 10 years ago.
0: You were making a uh, quarter of a million dollars in cash. In cash
1: about ten a years year.
0: Ago. Yeah. 10 years ago. Oh my goodness. No. No. Why in the freaking world would you leave such a great position <laughs> to go and start a car a car dealership from your house. It uh, <laughs> What? Yeah, exactly. A lot of
1: people ask me that question. They're you know, a lot of people told me you could have, like, you're crazy for leaving. You could have ruled the industry. You, like, you know, what is wrong with you? And it's funny because I still have a lot of colleagues, um, you know, old friends, colleagues from that, uh, from that business that I still keep in touch with. And uh, you know, everybody was telling me you're so good at it. Like, but at the end of the day, it was corporate. For me, I am not too fond of you know the corporate suit and tie. I like to be a little more free. Um, I like to have more of an opinion where I don't have to pass it by. I, I like to be more of on my own. I, it was just that and where the CEO of the company was taking the company um, wasn't to my liking at all. And the day I left, I told him, I'm giving you three years before you shut down.
0: That's Wow. What, that you predi- so you predicted it and it, and it came about?
1: Well, it, the scary part about it, it was literally three years to the day.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Goodness. I'm scared yeah. of you now. <laughs> you better good say good things about this podcast show. What do you predict in three years for my podcast show, Oren? Come uh, on. Oh,
1: God, willing skies, the, the Lord.
0: Oh, here we so, go. We're brilliant. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> so I, I think really what it comes down to, and I, and I get this a lot from people who I had another guy on here who was a lawyer. Very, you know, again, very stable income, very nice income, uh, corporate lawyer. But again, just didn't like the corporate scene. He didn't like the nine to five five, the suit and tie, and just left that and started his own company, which, which now he's, he's, it, it's called um, uh, Scotty Vest, which I don't know oh. if you saw on Shark Tank, um, but I interviewed Scott Jordan, who went on to Shark Tank and actually told the, the Sharks, you're out, <laughs> um, and and, uh, and then built a fifteen million empire, which, uh, which is incredible. Um, and, and I think, you know, you said, I mean, I mentioned before in the intro, you, you did $36 million last year. So, you know, looking back, the people saying to you, oh my goodness, you left a quarter of a million dollar, you know, safe net uh, income to start a business. Well, look, now for- fast forward, you've got the freedom. You can do whatever you like. You could take vacation whenever you want. You can have your lunch break when you're freaking hungry and not when people tell you to take your lunch break. You know, spend time with your family, whatever it is. And- you know, it's,
1: it's funny that you mentioned that because- because I'm exactly the opposite. I'm 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 not that guy. I'm you 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 summed up exactly the opposite of what I am. I'll tell you, it's on my free time. I, I don't eat lunch because I don't have time. Because there's <laughs> always something to do. Like uh, I'll tell you, I, on my lunch break, instead of you know when I need a break, I guess I will go outside and I will wipe down a car. Uh, I will sweep the floor. I will do anything to show my employees. Hey, you know what? Um, Nobody special, you know. This is we're a team, and that's what got me so far. That's what got me ahead. It's just sometimes I feel like I, um, I over. Well, not sometimes. I definitely overwork myself. Uh, I don't come in whenever I want. I don't leave whenever I want. I'm usually the first one in, the last one out. I work the hardest. I mean, you Mm. have to. Yeah, you have to lead by example. And if you don't lead by example, you'll never make it. Look, a lot of times I wish I could have went back to being on salary because really? the stress level sometimes of being an owner of a business is just not worth it. It's not worth it sometimes but uh, you know like any other business you have good days any bad days but overall I think I got every day that I actually you know had the courage to make that move. Um, it was a scary transition but uh, at the end of the day for anybody listening out there I mean if you' believe in yourself or if you have any idea, um, don't let people criticize you. If uh, don't let people tell you no, you can't. Uh, if you believe in yourself, go out and try. Because if you don't try, you will never know. And that's all you can do. Just try and do your best.
0: Yeah, you know, Oren, I really appreciate your honesty because a lot, you know, a lot of people, they say, "I want the freedom, I want to leave my safe job," you know. And here you are saying, "Well, actually, guys." It's not so it's not so rosy because when you're a business owner and i can very much relate to this you've always got to be on you know you even if you don't want to be you are i could be sitting on a beach you know with my wife and kids and my brain is just whirring away because i want to you know i'm thinking about what the next thing i need to do in the business where do i take it what you know this client called me the other day what do i and you, you literally work harder than anyone else working a regular nine-to-five job but i still for me again everybody's different and i think that those listening it's really about digging deep and finding out what do you really want because i find a lot of people say well i want to make a lot of money i don't think that's true (laughs) i don't think it's that you want to make a lot of money because ultimately money is just something that you use to buy to buy things with it and, and, and money can't. Look, I'm not going to get into the whole sort of debate that money can't buy happiness because at the end of the day, it freaking helps, right? Yeah. I, I, when I was broke I, and I was kicked out of my apartment with my only child and my wife. I could tell you, I wasn't happy, right? <laughs> Whereas when I was able to pay the rent, put the food on the table, and pay for, you know, my kids to, you know, to have nice things, it makes me happy. So, but at the end of the day, ultimately, for me, the reason why I enjoy running my own business is, again, it comes down to the fact that I have control, the fact that I am free to do what I want. Whether I do what I want or not, is not it's got nothing to do with it. I like to work for myself. I can't work for anyone else. That's the bottom line.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look, first, I, I agree. Like, nobody is too good to work for somebody else. Like, if I, And I tell this to all my employees, you know, like... Everybody, everybody is dispensable. Everybody can, you know, look, even even I. Like, working for somebody else is not necessarily a bad thing. But if you are working for somebody else, make sure that you're doing the best you can. I mean, that's the only best I can do. My father taught me this when I was probably eight, nine years old. And he told me this, and I'll never forget it. He told me "Orn." he sat me down one day and asked me to listen to me and it carried me through school actually.
0: Mm. He
1: goes to me, sit down, listen to me, listen very carefully. He goes, whatever you decide to do in life, I don't care if you're going to be a doctor, be the best doctor you can. A lawyer, best lawyer you can. He goes to me, if you're a thief, be the best thief you can. <laughs> a drug dealer, be the best drug dealer you can. It doesn't make a difference. He didn't, he really <laughs> said Sometimes, that? He really said that. That's my father. I he love your dad. <laughs> Brutal honesty, you know. That was my father. Uh, that is my father. Um, but uh, he told me, I don't care what you do. Always strive to do the best. Always try to be the be-. not to be wow. the best. Strive to, to, to do the best you can. Even working for somebody, um, you know. So when I was working at um, uh, you know, I was always you know like calling my father and complaining about you know I don't like the way it's going. I don't like the way it's this. He goes. Or you know, you think you're better than this. You think you're worth more. Go do it. It's that simple. And it took me a long time to grasp what he said, but it's 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 really it's it's, it's once you once you click it clicks in your brain, that's it. It's done. It's over. You just have to be willing to stick with your guts and your intuition and say, okay, that's it. So do you do you, that. Well, do you rest up, like, that's it. say that again? I'm saying I got to the point one day where I said that's it, and you know I stuck with my guts, I stuck with my feeling, and carrying me thus far.
0: Do you um, how do I say this without I you know? Do you think that you're trying to prove something to your dad? Because you you said you work really hard, and you're trying to really like constantly, constantly, you know, be working. Is it is it because you're trying to prove something to your father?
1: Um. You know what? It, it, it's 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 a little psychological, I guess. But um, in the you know my subconscious, I would definitely say that every man wants to prove you know to his father. Hey, look, I can do it. I can do it better. Uh, father and son is always you know you're always going to have that mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like a measuring contest between your father and you. Uh, so, in, in, in the back of my mind, I would say yes, you definitely want to try to prove something, but. Now that I'm married and I have a kid, it's it's a little bit different. It's, I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. I'm just trying to put money, you know, and uh, food on the table uh, for uh, for my family. That's it's it's the mentality kind. Of, as you grow up, that mentality kind of goes away.
0: Right now, you know, used car salesmen have a really bad name, and I think what like what have you done to get people to trust you? in an industry that's basically filled with sleazy, blood-sucking parasites. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I've had a bad it experience is so myself. You know? is so true. You know, what, is so true. What, what do you do?
1: Well, I mean, look, put it this way. I mean, um, I was a shoe salesman, <laughs> um, a used car salesman. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I got beat up from every direction, but I love the challenge and that's why I'm doing it. Uh, I love to prove people wrong. Um, this business is probably one of, not mine in particular, but uh, this business is, is blood-sucking parasites, like you said. Hmm. Uh, they'll say anything and do anything to convince you to buy their vehicle or to whatever, the, or just to get your money. Right. Um, this is where I kind of differ and going back to the reviews you know it's, it's all about the reviews and it's about the customer experience with me it's you're not gonna buy my vehicle not a big deal there's, some, there's always somebody else behind you but if you need help buying a vehicle even if it's from somebody else here's my card here's my phone number I'll be able to consult with you I'll be able to help you out no fee no you know I'm not gonna ask you for money but I'm always here to help um, you do that very often, you'll be surprised how many times customers actually come back to you. I don't believe in a hard, uh, you know, a hard uh, salesman tactic uh, or being pushy or being aggressive. If I see one of my sales reps are aggressive, I'll have to talk with them once, twice, three times, you know, they're out. You know, they have to literally uh, greet every customer with respect, back off, let them see the car let the customer do the talking, not, not the salesman. Uh, I believe a good salesman is the salesman that just listens, not talks.
0: Mm, very interesting. It, it reminds me of the, uh, the, did you watch The Wolf on Wall Street? Yeah, of course. So when he says, the scene where he says, um, sell me this pen, right? <laughs> and he <laughs> goes around the room, sell me this pen, sell me this pen. Well, the pen is, well, so ultimately what it comes down to, and this is a really an important lesson um, that I took from, from, from that uh, movie. Um, well, not from, it's not from the movie, but the character that they was portraying. And that is that you can't sell someone something unless you know what they want. Exactly. Right? And and this is huge, huge, especially in the online business because a lot of people are online looking to, to start a business. It's so easy to start a business online. Um, the problem is, is that a lot of people just start the business and sell the products but they don't know if anyone wants to buy it or not you have to validate the product before you sell it for example i'll give you an example okay i'm putting together right now a course on how to start a podcast how to grow it and how to monetize it right Uh and first i'm going to have a free course and then there's going to be a paid course now before i put the course together i went and i called 10 people who I knew were interested in starting a podcast. And I literally spent about 20 minutes to 30 minutes on the phone with them, asking them exactly what they wanted. If I could put together a course, what would you want in that course? And at the end of it, I had pages and pages of things that they wanted. And a lot of the things they wanted were not what I thought, right? And so now I can go and create a course that people actually want. And you think it's simple, but a lot of people don't get this. They just put stuff out there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, people will buy this. Who said? Right? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 really un- I, I understand where you're coming from. The other thing I wanted to mention, though, is that you're talking a lot about customer service, and that's how you've become successful in what you've done. But you, know, you have customers flying in from around the country to buy cars from you. That's not just about good customer service, surely. You've got to be doing something special for people to be flying around the country to buy a car from you when they could buy it online or when they could buy it from someone local. Well, yeah,
1: of course. I mean, look, besides the customer service, well, customer service, believe it or not, customer service does play a lot into that because most of the people that I spoke to that actually fl- most, of- I would say a good 75% of my customers are mm. out-of-state customers that you know either fly in or drive in from a different state. Um, And I asked them, you know, why would you come to me and not somebody else? They're going to me, well, first of all, you had the best reviews, which was number one. We feel we can trust you. That's, you know, that's number one. Can we stop there for
0: a second? On on the point of reviews? I want to make this quite practical for my audience because I find a lot of times, you know, we can go into concepts, but if if they don't have tangible, practical, uh, you know, advice, it it makes it harder to, to put this into action. So what would you recommend... Those listening, to do to get reviews. In other words, how do they start getting reviews for the business?
1: Um, well, you got to ask the customers. Uh, you you got to ask them to to leave the review. If the customer doesn't know that you can leave the review, then it's not going to happen. You got to get you got to plant the seed. Uh, you know, you got to tell them. Uh, you know, how'd you find? Them? First of all, you got to ask them how they found you. Because uh, if they found you through one of these sites that have reviews on them, then obviously you're going to want them to write a good review as well. But, but uh, how
0: do you get them? Because a lot, I, I find a lot of the times you you ask, let's say people to write a review, and then they say, yeah, I'll write it, and then they, you know, they get busy and they forget. Do you have like a follow up system or something? Oh,
1: absolutely. I have a whole BDC department, a business uh, development center okay. department, with a few reps that um, a few days after the car has been delivered, my reps call up the uh, customers and they follow up with them. Uh, so they don't see- send
0: an email. They actually call them up and say, hi. By the way, you know. Okay, did up. you write? Did you write the review?
1: Well, no. First, they'll ask them how the car is doing. If they're right, you not know, liking the car, if there's right. due to that you know, for the car for them, if you know, the car is a hundred percent, and then you know if they're pleased, obviously they'll leave the review. Look, at the end of the day, if the customer is not pleased, you're not going to mention the review to him. Mm. You know, you you got to be a practical, smart <laughs> businessman. <manager. Yeah. laughs> right. But uh, if the customer is not happy, so yeah, I love unhappy customers because really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, custom, it, well, before I think, I'm, um, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, even, um, well, after Shumi and before the cars, I was doing a mail order. I uh, sold, um, I was working for a company that sold online electronics. And hmm. it was all, all solicitation. It was calling up. It was, you know, over the phone. It's very easy to, to be who you want to be. It's a little bit easier to, to, to over the over the phone salesman, I think is a little bit easier for me at least as opposed to -to face-to-face, because you can be whoever you want to be. But at the end of the day, I noticed that when I did get a bad, uh, well, when I did get a disgruntled customer, when he called up, I would not send it to customer service. I would take the phone calls myself because you'll be surprised when a customer is upset how fast you can turn that customer upside down. Mm. You just, you, you gotta read the customers. There's always, always A, an upsell. You know, I love customers that that have something negative because they come back and I can upsell them on something else. Um, I'm talking from a business standpoint, right? Uh, and from a moral standpoint, it, it, it's it's okay. Why you're upset? Uh, what's wrong? Or did you? Th- you can always turn them around. And when you turn that customer around, the review is given that much better, and right. they're friends. You know, you become personal with them.
0: So other than reviews you you mentioned there were a few things what what yeah. else have you what well, else have you done uh
1: it's it's getting personal it, it's basically getting personal it, it's the whole thing is about being personal with your customers and I, I tell this to my sales reps and you know I tell it to myself every day and you know I learned this from one of my customers back in a day um he actually was a um he was an advisor or, or he would give lectures to Fortune 500 company sales reps about selling. And he called me up one day while I was working at the uh, mail order company for digital cameras. And he goes to me, I don't know what you guys do. I don't want anything with the camera. I just want the camera and you are not, you can't sell me and blah, blah, blah. And then we started talking for about an hour and his so mom, Hold on,
0: he called you up because he wanted a camera, but and he knew you were going to try and upsell him something, and he off, just said, I'm not buying anything else, I'm just buying a camera.
1: Of course. At the end of the conversation for about an hour, not only did I sell him, I sold him about $3,000 worth of... Per, yeah, worth of accessories for the camera.
0: How did uh, you do that?
1: It was just, you know, the guy thought he was good. I listened. That's all I did. All I did was I, I, I let him talk. I let him vent. I let him talk. I let him say what he you know, wanted to say and I just, you know, I, I made him feel comfortable with me. Once he felt comfortable with me I pretty much went in and I offered him everything under the sun and he wanted
0: it. People and don't the, want to be sold, they want, they, pe- people love to buy,
1: right? People want to be heard. People mm. want to be heard. People want to be heard. Selling is not telling, selling is asking. Selling is listening ask questions, ask the customer, what are you buying the product for? Is it for your daughter? Is it for your wife? Ah, it's for your daughter's graduation. Great. How old is she? Where is she graduating? What school is she going to? You know what? This product might not be suitable for her. Let me show you something else. There's a million ways you can help out a customer. And at the end of the day, if you believe that you're helping out the customer, if you believe that you're doing good, that portrays to the customer itself. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a profit, you know, for-profit business. And we are making a profit off of every sale. But at the end of the day, if you can still give the customer service and the customer leaves happy, I mean, that's just, it's priceless. It's, just, it's a win-win.
0: By the way, Oren, if you were born 100 years ago, do you think that you would have sold horses? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? Shoes, cars, <laughs> I, I kept them in transportation, so why not?
0: <laughs> right, right. And do you think, the reason I ask is, do you think selling a horse is the same as selling a car?
1: Well, I guess back then it would pretty much be, you know, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, if I was 100 years ago and I thought about this, somebody asked me that question. Go on, before. sell me a horse, Oren, go on. <laughs> sell your horse, okay. Uh, I'm, doing the, I'm doing
0: the sell me a pen, but I'm flipping it now. Sell me a horse.
1: Well, what do you need the horse for?
0: Oh, look at that. He's good. He's good. He's <laughs> good. What do you think I need it for? I want, to, I want to get around, you know?
1: Yeah, you want to get around. Okay, but do right. you want to get around in style? Do you want to just, you know, uh, do you want to get around? Um, are you taking long trips? Are you taking short trips? Are you, uh, do you want to go fast? Do you want to go slow? Uh, what is your preference? What is your cup of tea?
0: I want to fly. You want to fly? Oh, yeah. I, got the horse for,
1: I got the horse for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, what's your favorite car and why?
1: Uh, my favorite car is any car that has gas. Oh <laughs>
0: come on, man. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you can't be serious.
1: Um, my favorite car would be the Porsche. A really? Porsche non- a Porsche nine eleven. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, even more Lamborghini, Aston Martin, Bentley oh, and you go for is- a Porsche?
1: Yeah, I'll go for a Porsche. Yeah. Uh it's 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 look, even though I sell these cars and I enjoy driving them from time to time, um, I I'm a little more modest than that. I'm a little more, it, it, you know. I don't like the bling, the flashy. It's it's that's not for me, you know. I like I just I like to enjoy what I do, and I think a Porsche is just one of the most enjoyable cars on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an everyday driver. Uh, it won't go down in value. Um, a matter of fact, I just did an article about a Porsche. It, Anything in stick shift has gone up 300% lately in the last year and a half.
0: Um, really?
1: So yeah, I, I just, I love everything about the Porsche. I mean, from the engineering to, to the feel of the car. I grew up around Porsches. My father loved Porsches. You come to my office, I
0: have uh, paintings of Porsches all over. I'm just a Porsche guy. From horses to Porsches. From horses <laughs> to Porsches. <laughs> what do you think about self-driving cars? Do you think they're going to be out soon?
1: Uh, no, I actually, If that's, that's funny you mentioned that. I actually just did um, an article for thestreet.com. It's uh, mm-hmm. a big publication uh, for Wall Street. Uh, they have, I believe, 5 million, um, 5 million readers or something like that, right? 8 million mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I just did the second article for them about self driving cars. Um, I love the idea. Everybody loves the idea about self-driving cars, but I mean, for it to actually be um, like right now, you'll get you know the self-driving car and cruise control, or you know the car will break. You have that system in place today. But right. it's not fully self-driving car. Like a full self-driving car, I don't see it coming out for a long, long time. It's just—yeah. I mean,
0: my car parks itself, but I'm s- too scared to use the feature because I just can't imagine. It's just something about—yeah. I'm the worst backseat driver. You know, when my wife drives, you—you you don't want to see me. I'm literally like bent over, going, "Oh my god, she's gonna hit!" So- "Oh my god, you're gonna hit something!" And so you can imagine, right? If the car's driving itself, I'll be like, "Oh my god, you're gonna!" And it'll probably speak back to me, going, "Daniel, chill the." F- out all right i know what i'm doing i'm a computer i've been programmed for this yeah
1: yeah but you know what it, it, it's funny i mentioned in my article that uh, it doesn't matter what co- how advanced the computer is technology is not there yet i mean and it's mm-hmm. not there yet not because of the self if all the cars on the road were self-driving vehicles then yeah it would work but right you still have regular vehicles on the road and you know what's to say that you know I'm not going to go behind the steering wheel drunk one day and decide to you know maneuver you know into a self-driving vehicle right it's not going to be ready for me you know it, cool. it, it's, it's, it's not that safe so I, I see it a long 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 way
0: and I'm gonna <laughs> again I'm gonna post those two links that you mentioned the articles in the show notes so for those listening if you want to check those out you can just before we wrap this up our this has been amazing um, what would your advice be to those listening who are looking to start and grow their business what would you say is a number one advice that you would give them today
1: Uh, confidence
0: Hmm. be
1: confident be sure of yourself Um, believe in yourself because you will get a lot of criticism you will get a lot of negative feedback from a lot of people. I believe every person on earth has a little bit of malice in their heart. They want to see you fail. Um, but just believe in yourself. Um, take any criticism as constructive. Um, know that you are in control at all times. You have to be in control at all times, and just go with the flow. And just just. You got to do it. You got to take the leap. If you, you got to get your feet wet, otherwise you You're not going to learn how to swim.
0: Or what's the best way? What's the best way for my listeners to get in touch with you? Um, they can go onto my
1: website, or um, they can go onto oranabadi.com. Um, over there, I have. Uh, it's more of a social website. Um, a little bit of Instagram. A little more of my personal uh, family. You can go onto Facebook or in a body doc, uh onto Facebook or body, or you can go to uh, my uh, business website, which is abadimotors.com. Um, they can reach me any one of those uh, places. I'll be able to get to them. Any social Basically. outlet would be right. able to get to me.
0: And you're based in New Jersey. I'm the based in New Car out of- Yes, sir. So anybody who's near New Jersey or even if you're not, get on a plane because (laughs) the service that you'll get from Oren is going to be second to none. And um, I know that when I'll be going into New York, I'm going to be driving around in that uh, Rolls Royce or whichever (laughs) other beauties I can get my hands on. Oren, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thanks to all my fellow listeners for tuning in. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain